Welcome to the Business Leadership Experts Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping provide leadership solutions to small and medium-sized business owners. We'll talk to business experts on establishing company strategy, trends on leadership development, challenges of company culture, and understanding company finance. Now, here's your host, Mike Temple. Welcome back, everyone. Great to see you. Great to have you with us again. I'm Mike Temple, your host, the owner of Temple Executive Coaching and our podcast, Business Leadership Experts. And I have one with us today. I have a good friend of mine, um, Mr. Chad Olmjed, who is the owner of Trucker Logistics. Believe it or not, Chad and Trucker Logistics have been in business for 12, almost 12 months. But there's a reason why I want you guys to hear Chad's story. And I'm going to fill you in on that a little bit later as we go along. Chad's a proud graduate of St. Cloud State. We graduated with a a degree in accounting. Ask me if he uses that degree today. He does not. He's got <laughs> he's got a great story as to, to how he got where he is, and I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it too. So, Chad, before we get too much into it, what does Trucker Logistics do? Hey, Mike, thanks for having me. Uh, Trucker Logistics is a freight brokerage. We, uh, in layperson's terms, we move freight for our shipper client using carrier relationships. So we kind of, we're, we're in the middle there, uh, keeping everything organized, just helping to move freight largely around the U.S. Pretty much if you can touch it, it probably, you know, whether it's a, you know, an end table or a couch or a jug of milk, it, it probably moved on a truck. So we help move freight around the U.S. Okay. So how long have you been in the logistics industry? I've been in uh, the logistics, supply chain, transportation, freight, all that stuff for about 13 years. So is Trucker Logistics, is this the first business you've started, you've ever owned? No. Um, in 2005, I was a casualty of a, a buyout. Wells Fargo bought the equipment finance company I was working for. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was uh, with a severance package out on the street one one Friday afternoon, and I'd had some entrepreneurial energies and, and thoughts around that time period, just kind of figuring out who I was back then. I think I was 34 years old. Um, so I started a handyman company from scratch. Um, you know, put the light bulb in, fix the front door, all the way up to building decks and, and bathroom remodels, small remodels. Uh, that was in 2005, like I said, and that was going great for a couple of years. It was my introduction to being a business owner and um, it was an exciting time. And, um, you know, I did some good things in the first couple of years, but in um, 2007, 2008, when the economy took a turn, uh, people just stopped spending money. So mm-hmm. ultimately I had to um, pull the plug on that business and learn from those mistakes. Yeah. And then that's when I got into logistics just kind of by chance. Yeah, 2007, 2008, uh, I can ride the same horse with you and, and your friend behind you there, Clint Eastwood on that. <laughs> I had um, I had a friend and uh, we were in the, we had a franchise business in the lawn care service industry. And we found out uh, that for some odd reason the science is still out on this why people don't want to maintain their lawn after the home has been foreclosed on and they've still been kicked out i'd like a congressional hearing on that one but uh, <laughs> uh chad i mean these, these are two different two different industries two different businesses you know handyman uh, premium handyman home service trucker logistics what three lessons do you think that you learned over at premium uh, over at handyman that you think is maybe kind of resonated you've you know you've kind of learned from you've brought with you over at trucker i think I think uh, I'm a I'm a more patient uh, leader today. 
And mm -hmm. I was figuring things out back then. It uh, Tell me about the time spent money early stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Story so, will be edited. So with Premium Handyman Services, that was my introduction to being an entrepreneur. And and um, I think the one of the main mistakes that I made back then was to, you know, I went out and I spent $4,000 on a logo and I got a new truck <laughs> and marketing and branding. And, and I was building a company, so I had to get this stuff in place. But I really needed to bootstrap myself and and um, get out there and sell and operate and, and figure some of that stuff out later at the right time. Mm -hmm. So um, I probably got a little bit out over my skis in, in that respect at that time. But uh, you know, the difference between the time period with, with me as a leader as well was I'm a much more patient leader now. I think I was a little hard on people back then. Mm hard charger and kind of a junkyard dog and right. I realized that you know some people need a, a hug and some need to be kicked in the butt depending on the situation and the individual and how they're kind of wired so mm -hmm. I'm much more patient with people and with the process today than I was back then for sure wisdom and age will do that to you <laughs> if you do it right <clears throat> if you do it right well check you 13 years in the logistics industry just by your own admission, you know, you said you're, you know, earlier years, 30, 35 years old, you've waited all this time. And what has brought you to the point now where you've wanted to kind of start your own business? I think the the, the main thing for me is that I, I want to control my destiny, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want my efforts to go toward building something for my family. And I also want to create a great place for people to work. I've worked for some great companies with great cultures, but here at Trucker Logistics, I'm able to, you know, kind of make sure that we hire with a higher, a high standard for the people that come in and, you know, keep the culture rewarding mm -hmm. and, you know, the right kind of culture that, that, that has always spoke to me as an employee is what I want to create. And then some here at Trucker Logistics. And thirdly, you know, I spent a lot of years traveling and commuting probably an eight year span of those 13 years. I drove an hour to work each day, each way. And a lot of time in a car, which is good and bad. You can wind down on the way home and think about <laughs> the way there, but it's just a lot of time in a vehicle away from, away from family and, and that kind of thing. So one of the motivations, quite frankly, was I wanted to start a company right here in my hometown. I'm a one mile walk from my house and I got three kids, 18, 16 and, and 12 year old boys. And it's, it's kind of nice to be, uh, this is a great community that I, I live in with um, my wife, Joni and, and our three boys. And I like not having to leave here and drive anywhere every day. It's, it's really a nice, a nice perk. Okay. All right. So 13 years, handyman service. Now we're in the logistics industry. There's been this time gap in between what would you say is now the philosophy that you use with these changes that have come about the philosophy that you now use in managing and running trucker logistics i'm pretty well read with you know from good to great through traction and and all that stuff but when you talk about business philosophy the thing that comes to mind for me right now is as a new entrepreneur so to speak with you know that less than we started basically august 1st of 2020 I haven't even been in business a year, even though I've been doing this for a long time. The philosophy that comes to mind for me when you're building a company like this, especially at the at the front end, it's the right time to do it, is to decide, is it going to be a lifestyle company or is it going to be a growth company? And the way that I define that is a lifestyle company is, well, everything would center around me. 
we get to a certain point where I could kick back, get comfortable with a certain amount of EBITDA coming into the company, and mm-hmm. it would just kind of level off at that point. If I ever got hit by a milk truck, the company would probably crumble because I'm the you know the spoke of the wheel that everything revolves around. And even mm-hmm. at these early stages, these humble beginnings, I'm thinking of my company as something that's for sale. It's not really for sale. There's really nobody would buy me out today, even though there's a lot of merger and acquisition in this space. Nobody's nobody's going to want to buy trucker logistics today, not for, for much anyways. But the mindset of being a growth company helps me prepare for that potential future where that might come to reality mm. in terms of your processes, your technology, your efficiencies, the way that you hire, your culture, your brand, all that stuff. I could be lazy with some of it and we'd still make money and, and uh, you know, we'd have a good time taking care of clients in this this logistics space. But I'm very mindful of of uh, if I ever want to sell this, how would we get top dollar for it? Well, it would be to have your house in order in all those areas. Right. Whether you're going to sell or not, it's the right way to go through your day. Because what you don't want to do is get to the point where you're, you know, you're 55 or 45 years old. You want to sell your company. And now you have to unwind the fact that mm. you're ingrained in everything that happens. Mm. Well, nobody's going to want to buy that because if you buy trucker logistics, you're going to want to get rid of me in short order with the non-compete and and uh, you know a, a period of time where I help transition. But you don't want me around long term. Well, if the company is nothing without me running it, then it's then it's a lifestyle company. That's my philosophy that kind of, I think, gets into everything that we do here because it's culture, it's customer service, it's on and on and on. And what I like that you're saying there, Chad, is it, I think that it can even be a lot more fun, beneficial, and a better experience for the employees. If they're a part of something that's going to be growing beyond Chad, then there's more opportunity for this type of a mindset. I mean, we've seen a, a lot of advertisements talking to, you know, people starting their own business, you you know, making, for some reason, the magic, the magic word that you look everywhere is 10K, making six figures a year, making 10K. They have pictures of people sitting on the beach saying, I'm making 10K sitting here on the beach. It's a big freaking misnomer. In fact, the people who are making money in that are the schmucks who are selling you (laughs) that dream. And you're going out there buying it and and thinking, when am I going to be sitting on the beach making 10 K a month? (laughs) Figure out how to sell a bunch of people on $89 and 99 cents a month. I gave this guy $89 and 99 cents so I can learn to make 10 K a month. (laughs) There's been a lot of stuff going on uh, with trucker, you know, from, you know, the inception to where you're at today. So even with a little bit of a change in your philosophy, you know, it's a growth company, not a lifestyle company. We're coming up on a year here, I think in August in 21. Where do you think the company is going to be? And before you answer, Chad, to the listeners, this is why I picked Chad. I want you to hear what he has to say. By the end of what do you think you're going to be revenue wise, Chad? So we started last August 1st, basically. I don't think we even did 200,000 in revenue last year. It was, um, you know, a lot of selling, a lot of, you know, 90% of my time was, hey, give me a shot. I'm the new guy. And I knew some people from years in the industry, but I didn't, I didn't pirate any um, clients from past, you know, places that I've worked. I pretty much started from scratch. And uh, so it took a lot of selling. 
selling and we did a little bit of revenue last year. I think in um, in January is pretty slow. We did like $20,000, like seven shipments, but we've really taken off in, in February, March and April. The industry is, you know, everybody's experiencing the uptick in freight costs and the lack of trucks. And there's just simply not enough trucks for all the freight that's out there. And we've, um, you know, through good customer service and and uh, a lot of effort, we've grown to a team of uh, me plus three, mm-hmm. and we'll probably end 2021 with about uh, $5 million in revenue. And I would say we'll manage this year in terms of shipment count, 2,500 shipments, something like that. We usually do about $2,000, maybe $2,300 per shipment. Mm-hmm. That would out to be uh, for the customers that we take care of. So yeah, we'll come in at $5 million in, in uh, sales. Yeah. Okay, listeners, viewers, did you hear that? One year from zero on day one, Maybe you had a you had a you covered a shipment or not, all right? To a year later, from day one to zero to a year later, five million in revenue. Which I didn't do this by sitting on the beach buying programs for eighty nine dollars and ninety five cents on how he's <laughs> showing them how he's going to make this. It it's not a, and this is the difference, guys. This is the difference between a lifestyle, the mindset, the difference between a lifestyle business. Where Chad's going to get to 10K a month <laughs> or 20K a month and sit on the beach. You know, this is the growth mindset because it went from him. Now there's four with now there's three others with him. So there, now there's four. A growth mindset organization creates more opportunity, creates more value for the employees that go above and beyond the owner. So Chad's I his mindset is. I'm going to make some money and sit on the beach from this $89 program a month. It took 13 years, some patience to when he hit the ground a year later, he's in a position from his 13 years of experience of being in the industry. And let's not forget that Chad did not start in the logistics industry. He was in the home service industry. Patience, one business failed. He picked up, moved to another, kept his eyes and head up, looking for other opportunity, patience in that 13 years to where when he was now ready to move into his own business, $5 million in revenue by the end of one year. This does not happen overnight. Chad, you probably made a heck of a lot of phone calls at the beginning trying to find customers. Yeah, you know, I've got the 13 years of experience, uh, mm-hmm. but I didn't spend... Um, any good portion of that doing what we're doing today, freight brokerage. I was managing warehouses and freight forwarding and LTL and technology. So a great introduction to the space that helps me sell into different customers because while I'm selling and I'm a salesperson, I've been in the trenches. I've booked the loads. I've talked to the carriers. I've loaded trucks before. I have that experience. So it just, it kind of all manifested here where I'm building a company. I think the the characteristics of me that have helped me succeed for anybody who's listening that might want to, you know, make that plunge. It's it's not easy. And maybe you shouldn't do it when you're 50. You leave a good paying job with a great company and decide to go out on your own. And what really matters is is grit and tenacity and hard work. It's not motivation. Everybody's motivated by their own thing. I got kids to take and uh, I don't like losing. So I guess I'm motivated, but it's day in and day out grit. And you also have to do something you're good at. I'm really good at this. I don't mean that to sound arrogant, but 
Um, I know how to talk to carriers. I know how to talk to customers. I understand the industry. This is a fit for me. Now, I can't play a musical instrument. I'm not a very good dancer. I wouldn't be a good brain surgeon. So you have to find your spot for sure. And But I've found my spot and I've applied myself to it. And it's um, going really well. Good. And, and don't sell yourself short there, Chad, because you're a heck of a singer. He's got the voice of an angel, people. You should hear him knock out happy birthday. But so this has been a lot of time, effort, accumulation over years of mastering your craft, so to speak. At times, it sounds like even finding it. Elements, you know, you've been around the industry by, you know, the example that you gave. So from where we're at today, what what have been some of the key elements that have really kind of spurred the growth? Just the the things that we've done um, technology-wise and that kind of thing, or? Just myself, the, the clients that we work with are in, are the logistics industry, lion's share for clients in the logistics industry and in the franchising industry. So I know that this is a trillion dollar business. It's a trillion dollar industry, okay? And there's like 18,000 friggin' brokers out there. People, did you hear what I just said? There's 18,000 chads running around (laughs) out there. But still with all that competition, he's gone from zero to a projection of 5 million in revenue you know, how do you kind of carve that out, gotcha. Chad, in such a competitive market? Yeah, it's very competitive. It, you know, I always use the phrase, it's a it's a red ocean of competition. There's like <laughs> 18,000 uh, freight brokers roughly, and some of them have probably that many employees themselves. So that first number is just a number of entities. So it's, it's very uh, competitive. Our customer base is continually hounded by cold calls and emails to try and get a shot to move their freight. And it's a trillion dollar plus industry. What we've done, you know, key element wise is find niches within the industry Mm -hmm. where our experience and our dependability and the way that we uh, operate here at Trucker Logistics is of value to to our clients. You know, you take a big shipper with 600 brokers bidding on their freight. That's not a play for us. We we just, we can't add enough value to feel good about what we're doing. So we stay away from that high volume, low margin stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we focus on a couple of niches. You know, we, we do flatbed, uh, including over-dimensional with permits and and some of the challenges of, of that piece of logistics or of, of freight. So we're, we're experienced in that and, and, and moving some of that freight and trying to be in that niche because not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. We also move um, freight on straight trucks, uh, kind of that not a full truck and too big for an LTL. That's a need that customers have. So we play in that niche. And then uh, we do some expedited shipping, whether it's with an airplane or uh, ground expedite in a sprinter van those clients that need stuff moved quick. It's, it's got to be there tomorrow. It's got to be there in two days. It's meeting an install team, whatever the case may be, kind of high profile moves. We've got the resources to pull that off as well. So yeah, we've stayed to our niches. I would say we're, again, just battling that competition that's out there. We're extremely dependable. Everybody says they're dependable. Mm. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's on your webpage or it's part of your marketing that you're dependable. Yeah. But what matters is that your customers know you're dependable because that helps you grow your wallet with them mm-hmm. and do more with them because they keep coming back to you. It also helps them, you know, helps you keep them as a client and helps them fend off all the sales calls they get from that competition when they really know that you're dependable. You display that, you know, case by case, whether it's answering the phone at five o'clock on a Friday or being available on a weekend. We're kind of 24 seven around here. We have to be client calls. You got to take care of them. So 
we truly are super dependable. They were gonna be there, we're gonna be there. Um, I've had an instance just this week where we lost $2,200 on a, a large oversized move. Unless the client watches this podcast, they're not gonna know, I'm not gonna use their names, but they're never gonna know that we that we lost that money because we had a fall off, one carrier couldn't haul it, mechanical mm-hmm. breakdown. And um, so we had to find somebody else, but we never called our client and said, hey, we need 2,200 more dollars or pretended like we weren't able to take it or anything. We did the right thing, found a different carrier. We threw money at the load, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. It picked up mm-hmm. on time, you know, it was meeting a crane, so it had to deliver on time. And uh, we just made it happen without without even telling them because that's our attitude. We, you know, at the end of the year, we'll make money, but on that particular load, we, we did not. And then lastly is just, you know, kind of redundant here, but we're just hyper-focused on service. We gravitate towards clients that value that. Um, we've had some instances where the client didn't, they only cared about price. There's a lot of freight out there that needs to be moved. We're selective, quite frankly, with the clients that we we want to work with. They've got to be good people that are honorable. Um, we've had one instance this year where I feel like a, a client wasn't honorable. It was our first shipment and uh, it was our last shipment. They didn't stand up and do the right thing as we would do. Yeah, we're doing some of that simple stuff, just service, 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 be dependable and and kind of stay in your niche within a very large industry. When most people hear niche and working with some of my clients, they're almost fearful of, of defining a niche. Their thought is, well, we don't want to lose revenue and business from some pl- from you know another area of the market. That's not what happens when, when you do a niche. When you have a niche, that doesn't mean you're going to turn business away from other, other sources. A niche simply means you are going to understand that business as well, if not better, than your customer. You're going to do the research on that industry. You're going to go to their conferences not your own conference, but you're going to show up at their conferences and you're going to be a part of that niche's industry. You're going to be, you're going to learn their verbiage. You're going to learn their lingo. You're going to learn their acronyms. You're going to be able to speak their language Uh, that, and you're going to be able to provide maybe some industry insight to their market, not yours, because it's not about you. It's going to be about them. That's what a niche does. It doesn't mean you're not going to take serve, you're not going to take revenue or, or jobs or business from outside that niche. That's ridiculous, right? You've got two two separate examples. You have two separate uh, restaurants, if you want to call them restaurants. We'll call them fast food chains between McDonald's. We know what McDonald's is all about: the Happy Meal in the playgrounds. And then we've got Subway sandwiches, and you know their message is uh, healthy eating, healthy foods. I don't want to get into the arguments right now, people. That's what they're saying, right? So if I own a, a McDonald's franchise and someone comes through the door, I'm not going to ask them, well, if you've eaten at Subway, you can't eat here. You know what I mean? <laughs> if they're going to say, hey, do you have anything like a turkey sandwich? I'm going to say no, but will this work for you? That's kind of what it's like. So, I, you know, and as they say, guys, niches earn riches. Once you become that entrenched in a particular segment of, the, of a market, you become the market dominator. You become the king. People will turn to you because of your knowledge within their market. They won't be, <laughs> Chad and I were talking you know, earlier about education. They won't start Googling and looking for answers. They'll come to you for answers for some of the questions that they have. That's what the king of a niche does. Well, well Chad, from premium handyman service to to trucker logistics that's been a heck of a lot of time that has passed by 
How is Chad Olmjet? How how are you different? So the the Haney Man company that I started in 2005, I was 34. I, I just started Trucker Logistics last year when I was 49 and a half. You know, I'm I'm a much more patient leader now. I was mm. when I was 34. I thought I was I had it figured out and I was mature at that time, but. You know, looking back, I didn't even know if I wanted to be in the handyman business. Before that, I was financing equipment and I didn't know what industry I wanted to work in. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what role I wanted to play even within a company. Am I a salesperson? Uh, you know, you're going through these mind exercises to try and find out, you know, where you belong. And I, maybe I could have figured some of that out earlier in life, but I just didn't know. I didn't know who I was or where I was best fit long term. But, you know, fast forward to 2021 leading trucker logistics. I'm completely in my element. I, I lead people. My background is in accounting, so I get to to. Uh, I'm a numbers guy. I just you know, I know what we move uh, in terms of the average load size and margins and revenues, and I could rattle off our numbers. Um, <laughs> know your I data, people. Industry. I love this industry. I, I, I've had my CDL license in the past, driven truck. I've backed into a dock. I've loaded trucks. Hmm. I've had grease on my hands. Uh, that's why the company's called Trucker Logistics. It's kind of a simple transportation name, right. but that's kind of our brand is that we are we are truckers ourselves. And so I, I've found a place where I can apply my passions that mm-hmm. is, I think, going to be a, a good way to pay the bills. It's also something I'm extremely passionate about every day to get up and get after. So I've, I've definitely found, uh, I think, where I belong. But back in 2005, I was, you know, a young father and I think I had two kids of the three boys at that time. And just figuring stuff out, but um, I'm much yeah. more prepared for doing what I'm doing now, even though I pulled the trigger on this this dream of opening and owning my own company pretty late in life. I, maybe it's never too late. I, I'm happy with where I'm at, but it worked out for us. Good. And people, we should be different from a, a few years within our life lessons. In fact, Chad had a big life lesson. For those of you who were not working or weren't around in 2007, 2008, or perhaps you were being protected by your parents, that was a hellacious year, people. <laughs> okay, it's known as the Great Recession. Chad lost his business. I lost a, a franchise with a, um, a partner of mine. Uh, everything went belly up. But you kind of take, and that's what I'm kind of hearing from you, uh, from you, Chad, you know, the patience, you know, you control what you can control. Because I, I'm sure that one of the things that has also kind of evolved for you are your core principles, your personal code, who, who Chad is. And some of those you carry into into the company, which are the company values, right? Everybody espouses to, you know, company culture or company values. And I know that just talking with you, values are important to you. What are the values, the company values at Trucker Logistics? Our singular core value is to do the right thing. I've, I've been a part of a, a few companies. I've, I've done a little reading. I've, I've been on LinkedIn and, and I've been able to, um, you know, look at a lot of options, you know, mission statement, vision statement, this statement, that statement, honesty, integrity, curiosity, tenacity, all these things that, you know, companies will put as their core values to kind of define who they are, who they want to be and mm-hmm. how they, you know, you hire and fire by them. If you, if you go to Traction and, and Gino, to me, they all roll back to do the right thing. Being right. honest, that's a do the right thing. There's mm-hmm. not another option. Working hard, work ethic, right. that's the right thing to do. That's how I was raised and just how I 
operated my entire life was kind of a tenacious junkyard dog of, of figuring things out, but also being a kind person. Um, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. I think you can be a good person, be real with your employees and your relationships with you know a stranger on the street or a, a key client. And that, it just all boils down to do the right thing because whether somebody's watching you or not, doing the right thing is the measure that uh, I think is important to me as a human being. So we, we use it in the company. Okay. So when I work with clients in developing their core values, I spend a lot of time in developing their authentic core values and it takes a lot of time. I can always tell one of two things will happen when a strategy for my clients don't work out. It's usually boils down to one of two things. One, where people absolutely positively clear as to what the expectations were in the strategy, what they were accountable for and what it would look like to achieve that. The second was, and this is the big one, did we break our core values? If they're authentic, core values. We don't break those. If those are your personal code, we don't break those things. You, you can always tell if it's a true core value. If you break it, it bothers you. It slows you down. You know, you kind of walk around a little bit of, of this funk of, I, I should have done that. Don't know why I did it. It, it just kind of hurts you at the core as to who you are. If it's not a true core value, you kind of figure out a way to get around it. Right. You, know, you, you, <laughs> you just move right through it, you know, as if it was, as if it was nothing. And, and to Chad's point, you know, to go down to the, the truth of who you are, honesty, integrity, what was the other one we were, we were talking about? Grit. Yeah. yeah. All of these buzzwords, you know, are kind of low hanging fruit that we expect from each other, you know, every day. If I ask you what time it is, I would expect you to be honest and tell me the time. So drilling down to the core of who you are, Chad, when you say to do the right thing at Trucker Logistics, what does that action look like? You know, just jumping back to the core value real quick, I feel like it's kind of lazy because it's just a catch-all for everything. Like being a good right, person, right. That's, that's why it speaks to me and why it's on our website and it's what we talk about during the hiring process. And But at, at Trucker, you know, an example would be showing up on time. You know, we got a pretty loose vacation policy and mm -hmm. when you're done, go home. There's no clock to punch. Um, but there is an expectation that you're in there early in the morning because the game and logistics happens in the morning and it's, it kind of settles down in the afternoon. So if you can't get there in the morning, Mm -hmm. to be a part of um, help, especially at this early stage, helping to build the company, then you're kind of letting your teammates down. If they got to cover for you because mm. you like to sleep in or what have you, you're not doing the right thing there. It, it's right. clearly a core value to do the right thing. And there's an expectation that you're in there hustling. It doesn't have to be on you know company letterhead. The right thing to do is to get in there and get after it in the morning because that's what the industry kind of dictates, you know, helps to dictate success. So mm -hmm. just, you know, taking care of your teammate next to you by not letting them, you know, not leaving them hanging is, is a do the right thing. We had an example earlier this week where we had a carrier delivering into a food warehouse. Pretty sure that appointment was at 2 or 2.30 and mm -hmm. he got out of there after 10 o'clock. He was there for eight hours. Now we could have played the game where, well, you know, you were 15 minutes late or you didn't fill out the paperwork right for your in and out times or what have you. But we knew this carrier for a fair rate had called from A to B, got in there and got stuck in, in a situation. So when they reached out to us the next morning and said, hey, what's your, your detention policy? We told them and we paid it. We don't even know if we're going to get reimbursed from our client for that, but we know that the carrier did the right thing, sat there, couldn't make any money all that afternoon. You know, he's stuck with our load on his truck. So uh, we paid him the detention per per what we think is fair. 
and uh, we'll see about collecting it from the client. But the right thing to do is to pay the carrier, mm -hmm. regardless of uh, whether we are able to collect that from our customers. So I could probably think of some more examples. It really does play out. And I think it's important to remind the listener or to remind myself right now that it's whether somebody's watching or not, too. I like that piece because mm -hmm. in any part of your life, any relationship, wherever you go, you know, you can lie to yourself and you can you can get away with certain things, but the right thing to do is to carry yourself with that do the right thing mentality. I, I like that piece of it. And, and when we talk to new hires about it, that, that always comes up that you're gonna have autonomy to book the load for a, a fair price with the carrier and just to <laughs> offer the customer to do it at a certain price. So there's a lot of freedom and, and you know a lot of teaching on the front end, but not much micromanagement that's counter to our thought process. So you're gonna be entrusted to to, you know, you wear that trucker logistics hat and t-shirt and go out there and represent us with your name on that email address. We want you to do the right thing. I don't want to hear from any clients that somebody didn't do the right thing or get a call from a carrier. Hey, it's working with so-and-so and he won't pay me the detention. Well, how come? You, know, you dig in, you figure it out, and that person didn't do the right thing. That's not how we operate. So Well, so Chad, core values first have to be carried by the leader. And if the leader doesn't have these core values, it doesn't matter what you put on your website. So I, I've always told my clients, it's better to say who you are than to put something on your website that says who you're not. You know, Chad gave an example of coming in early on time. You can't expect deliveries to be on time. You can't expect your carriers to deliver a load on time if you can't even get into work on time. The two don't work together. And if Chad can't get there early, because that's the right thing to do, because the right thing to do is, Chad, if you want everyone else to live these values, you got to be the one who carries the flag of the values. Because if the organization, if the leadership team does not display the core values, you can't ask your employees. You can't hold them accountable to the core values. Don't worry about your customers at this point. All right. What are some of the values we've seen out there, Chad? We give top shelf, great customer service, right? Well, that's an end result. It's not the value in itself. So if the leadership team can't hold those values, if you know the leadership team can't hold each other accountable to their values, you can't ask the employees to do it. Now, if the employees can't do it, it doesn't matter what you say. Your customers will never, ever see those values. They will see whatever the true values are. So kind of what Chad has been talking about here is that if you do not purposely create your core values, they will be created on their own. And if you let that happen, man, you have absolutely no clue what you're going to get. <laughs> so it's best that the leader dive in there and purposely create those things. So Chad, you've day one, zero in revenue. All right. Now we're up to 5 million in revenue in, in, in about a year's time. What are some of the resources? This is something I don't think a lot of people understand. What are some of the resources that you've used at Trucker to kind of get to that point? What are some of those resources you've leveraged? So I'm a, I'm a big fan of paperless. You know, it is the way of the future, obviously, but it speaks to me. I'm kind of organized that way. So everything is paperless. We're using a, a transportation management system called Ascend TMS. Um, it's a pay per person as you go per month. There's lots of options in that software space, but Ascend has been a great solution for us. It's integrated with our factoring company, uh, mm -hmm. Triumph Business Capital. We use Triumph as our cash flow tool. They pay the carrier and um, send us the difference and also co collect from our, our client and keep a piece for, for their services. But it's all integrated with the TMS. So from efficiency of bill, proce bill processing and integrating back into QuickBooks, that's been a great solution for us. We're also using Trello. Trello is kind of our shared drive, so to speak. We don't have a 
you know, servers with, you know, classic files of information saved around here. Most of our information is saved in the TMS. That's where all the load data is, copy of the proof of delivery. You know, most of it's saved in the cloud with our providers in that case. But Trello is a nice tool uh, where you can, you can organize cards. It's left or right, up and down. You can save files to a particular card. It's a great project management tool, but for us, it's where we put all the stuff, like appointment passwords and and the different things that we have to keep track of. Or hey, what's this client's policy for this? You know, where do you put some of that wow. CRM kind of information? We we use Trello uh, for that tool to accomplish that. Finally, another one that comes to mind is, and probably the most important one, is something called Front FrontApp.com. Okay. I think F R O N T app.com. It's kind of a Zendesk customer service um, shared uh, email management tool. You can manage, uh, I think you can manage your social media too through there, but we're not too social media-ish around here, but um, <laughs> we get these emails, our clients, and they all come to an email inbox called go, go at truckerl.com. Okay. Everybody on the team can see that. We can assign ownership. Hey, you, t- you take care of this. We can automate that if it comes in from Sally, it goes to to David automatically. Um, that sort of uh, you know automation is is an option there, but it's a fantastic tool. We we could take an email and um, that comes in, and we can as a group we can chat about it at the bottom of it. It stays on that same chain, all time stamped. So wow. you, you can go back and look at the story if you need to do some research. Um, so it's just a fantastic tool. I, you know, maybe Outlook can do some of this stuff too. I've spent years in Outlook, but Front is something I happened on to. Um, at a previous company and it's it's a game changer i think for us to stay as efficient and manage i mentioned we're going to do five million dollars this year we're hiring right now so maybe we'll be five or six people by the end of the year but we're four people right now Mm -hmm. and for four people to manage the you know leading of the company the accounting all the brokering Mm -hmm. everything that we do you know it's a million and a quarter uh, per person that's pretty efficient and so we're, we're trying to be efficient, obviously, and Front is a key tool to help us take care of our clients and keep straight on what needs to happen. Because when a customer email comes in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they need something, our policy is less than five minutes. We're getting back to them. Hey, I'm working on this, or here's your quote if we can do it that quick. Right. We're very responsive, you know, getting back to the dependable piece, trying to be different in the red ocean of competition. And mm-hmm. you don't have to wait an hour for a quote from Trucker Logistics. We're, we're on it really quickly, and, and Front is a key tool to help us accomplish that. Good, good. And one other resource I kind of want to plug here. Guys, you've you've heard um, Chad mention a few things, traction, EOS. EOS is what is known as the Entrepreneur Operating System. Now, it's a system program for lack of a better term, but a system for entrepreneurs to operate their business. And it's uh, head up, many have probably heard by Gina Wickman. I myself was an EOS implementer and early part of my career. And it focuses, Chad, Chad's absolutely right here. It focuses on the six key components, vision, people, uh, having your, your data, solving your, your uh, company issues, you know, and uh, what are your, your process processes, making sure that they're all followed by all. And then you use those five to kind of bring down to the ground to making sure that you're actually getting traction with your in your organization. Gino, my friend, that one's for you. But um, I was talking to Chad earlier. This is an individual. He handed out what is known as their VTO. It's their visionary traction organization 
it's their business plan. And when he was talking with a, a potential employee, he gave it to the guy, he said, this is where we're at today. This is where we're measuring. This is where we want to, this is where we want to go. What that says is, it, you know, you see a lot of these organizations who are interviewing, looking for people, you know, th- throughout LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever it might be, and they'll have this catchphrase of come join a growing company. What does that mean? Chad just talked about growth between a, um, a growth-oriented company or a lifestyle-oriented company. Uh, to be able to hand someone your business plan and say, this is what it means. This is what I'm talking about by growth. It has all of that lined out. Well done, Chad. Excellent. Um, EOS, it's, it's a great system. It's one of the ones that uh, that I occasionally use with my clients as well. As we kind of wrap up here, you, you mentioned you've got your three boys. So I'm going to take a shot in the dark, which means you're a father. And <laughs> as an entrepreneur, what advice have you given them? It's, it's kind of an appropriate question because I have an 18-year-old that just graduated a week ago and he's he's headed off to college this fall. Uh, but what, I, what I've told my boys, they've not another speech dad it is has uh has been uttered by all of them Um, (laughs) what's the point of being a father (laughs) you know give them too much too many wisdom bombs but um when it comes to um you know how you spend yourself you spend your time professionally and whether you're an entrepreneur or you work for somebody ultimately find something that you really like doing and just take some chances early in life. You got no responsibilities, no mortgage, no kids. If you want to go work on an Alaskan fishing boat, now is the time. Just try tons of stuff, but um, find something that you really like doing. And um, if it's entrepreneurial, jump in there and take some chances, make some mistakes. I have learned a thousand times more from the missteps and the trips and the fall downs, whether it's the, you know, the premium handyman service that ultimately had to, to shut that business down. You know, you remember the successes and, and some of those shape you a little bit too, but it was getting knocked down, never quitting, that sort of thing. Just trying lots of stuff that really helped to create the, you know, the resolve that I have as a, as a 50 year old man. I want them to go out there and and try a ton of stuff and fall down a bunch, keep striving for whatever that is. But at some point you wanna be doing something, regardless of the money you make, that pops you out of bed in the morning. If you don't like what you're doing, no matter what money you're making, um, that's not a fun way to live. So that's the advice I've given recently to an 18 year old to, you know, go try a bunch of stuff and don't feel like you have to have it all figured out right now. Cause even at, even at 30, you don't have to figure it out at 34. I didn't have anything figured out. Um, (laughs) Don't carry that stress of what am I going to do with the rest of my life? It's time to just go skin your knee and, and uh, try a bunch of stuff, see what sticks. Perfect. I love it. Hey, Chad, if our viewers or listeners have any additional questions for you after this broadcast, how can they get a hold of you? I'm at uh, chad at truckerl.com, C-H-A-D at truckerl.com. Just give me a call, 952-224-6972. I've got my phone number on LinkedIn. I'm always inviting people to just call me. Um, Can't promise I'll pick up, but whether it's networking with friends in the industry or whatever the case may be, uh, I'm an open communicator and um, yeah, I would be glad to talk to anybody. Excellent. All right. Well, Chad, thank you so much for joining us 
on this segment. Guys, and as you can see, this is why I wanted all of you to have a chance to, an opportunity to, to talk with Chad, to hear from Chad, to, to learn a little bit more about him. This is a guy, uh, 13 years in the industry, then decided after that amount of time, after some failures in his early uh, business life, to then start his own business. And with that patience, the hard work, after one year, guys, year one, he's on track, five million in revenue. Chad, again, thank you so much. Hey, to those watching, listening, thank you so much for uh, for listening. If you like this episode, you know the you know the drill. Come on, click the like, share with your friends. It helps the algorithm all over the world <laughs> for us to get watched and listened to. Again, guys, and thank you so much for watching. You've been listening to the Business Leadership Experts Podcast, hosted by Mike Temple, where we engage with experts in business growth for small and medium-sized companies. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please let us know what you think through our social media channels on Facebook, LinkedIn, and our website at templeexecutivecoaching.com. We would love to hear from you.